The Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 68. Doctor Who, The God Complex. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And tonight we have our first randomizer episode. Well, randomizer episode of New Who. Of New Who. And the randomizer, or the dice that we have anyway, picked the God Complex, which I, apart from the fact that it's in, in a hotel, I can't remember a massive amount about. Now, I've got this on Blu-ray, but it's one of those episodes. It's from uh, Series 6 of New Who. It's Matt Smith's second season. And I don't actually think I've ever re-watched this. Could be wrong. Uh, I know David Williams is in it as one of the the race that cropped up later on with Paul Kay that liked to be enslaved, you know, which escapes me. But beyond that, I can't remember a, a right lot about it. I think it's probably one, going to be one of those suck it and see episodes and uh, it'll dredge up a load of memories that I'd forgotten. Yeah, and this is the nice thing about doing these, these mm. randomizer episodes because on um, Classic Who we did Death to Daleks, which I really enjoyed, but it's not one I would have picked to watch. No, it isn't. No, me neither. And to oh. be honest, it... Death to the Daleks brought back why I haven't really watched it again all these. I didn't really enjoy it the first time I saw it. And it's not it's not one that would have stood out. If we, we we would really be in danger of picking all the favourites and being left in years to come with dross. Whereas we have a reasonable well, chance of the Swindle Emma coming out. Or Love and Monsters. We do add uh, can I not uh, an executive veto on Lovely It Monsters. exists. We we can't um, deny it. No, the executive veto is going to come out of the Gareth Roberts episode and ends up. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Which is a pity because I I do enjoy the Unicorn and the Wasp, but no appropriate stand. Right before we crack on with the episode, there's some housekeeping to do. There is. I shall get the tonic screwdriver out and get the lid off the gin. I've got a fun one. <laughs> The gin that we're drinking with this episode is a gin by Brewdog called Zealot's Heart. It's 44%, so it packs a punch. Yes, it does. I did actually ask Simon before we started this if there was any tonic in it. That's heartwarming, shall we say. It's got a nice kick to it. It's got a lovely set of, set of flavours. It's nicely bitter without being overpowering. I think that you could get unreasonably comfortable on. This is this is up towards the the nicer end of the gins that we've had, mm. and it comes in a lovely blue bottle that's going in my kitchen afterwards. Have you got the the stoppers with the lights attached? You can no, 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 really nice gin bottles like the Curio bottle, like the the Brewdog bottle with a, a proper decent glass stopper. Mm. Um, I wash out and I use it for sort of cooking oils and things like that. Oh, I see. because oh. it's nicer than a, a plastic bottle sitting on the side. Mm. So that that's where that's going to go once it's emptied. That is, I'm, I'm torn with this. Oh, it's a clear five for me. Um, I, I think this is absolutely lovely. I am just going to add a dash more tonic. Wuss. I know, but I want to, at the moment, all I'm getting is um, ah, heartwarm. Gin, that's the point. So have you finished wussing out and diluting it to the point where you can't taste the gin? No, I haven't. You see... Just <laughs> slightly more tonic than you allowed. Let's push that into the five bracket. 
It was a high four before. Mm. Just uh, yeah, that's really no, tasty. The, the, this is a, a, a lovely gin. I, mm. I can't remember the last time we had one that was this nice. And it's also the first one we've had with novelty ice cubes. Simon has brought some ice cube trays tonight with yeah, Tardises yeah. and Daleks. They As a result of my Amazon addiction. The monster ice cubes, but they are £3-odd, did you say? Yeah, so, something like that on, and, uh, on Amazon. So Doctor Who glasses with Doctor Who ice cubes. Watching Doctor Who, anybody would think we were fans. Grab your glass, we'll... Uh, the glass has not left my hand. I know, well. We'll descend the step into the basement underneath podcasting house. Welcome to the Black Archive. Um, I'm going to crack on with my choice. And it's going to sound slightly odd because it's a TV programme that you've heard me criticise in the past. Because of the, the nature of this story is set around a sort of hotel, motel type thing. What I'm going to pull out of the Black Archive is the missing episodes of Crossroads. Oh! And the reason behind that is pretty much of any TV programme, the one that tells you what life was like at the time that it was being made are soap operas. So you watch, um, and I know we're talking about doing a soap operas episode for exactly this reason, you watch 60s episode of Coronation Street, it will give you a much clearer picture of what life was like in the 1960s than pretty much any other kind of television. Uh, and, and there's loads and loads and loads of missing Crossroads. The other thing is that one of our regular listeners, Mr. Paul Chandler, is a big Crossroads fan. And I know that recovering episodes of Crossroads would make him happy. And that would be a nice thing to do. Well, I've just been listening to the audiobook version of David Jason's autobiography. And in it, he there's quite a lengthy bit on his spelling Crossroads. Now, I never watched Crossroads. We weren't a Crossroads house. It was on while I was growing up. Uh, and it does have a, a reputation... Uh, the one thing that comes to mind when I hear people talk about it is basically the genesis of Acorn Antiques. Uh, now I have, which is a work of genius. It is a work of genius. Now I've mentioned this to Simon this week that when we do our soaps episode, I do want to do some crossroads. I want to see just how bad it was, and I hope we can manage to pick one with the worst excesses of fluffs and bad set and. We could ask Paul very nicely for his suggestion. Yes. So, Paul, if you could uh, pick us out an episode that we can find somewhere that is dodgy AF for entertainment value, not for merciless piss-taking. We are in this for the enjoyment, not the cruelty. And while we're on the subject, just to whet his appetite, because I know it's another soap opera he thoroughly enjoys, we're going to do some Dark Shadows. Yes, we are. Um, But my choice out of the Black Archive this week... Well, I whenever we do Doctor Who's, I generally pick Doctor Who's. And I'm not going to break that tradition. I'm going to go for Reign of Terror 4 and 5 because I love Reign of Terror. I was introduced to this by a friend of mine uh, many, many years ago who I got to know through his mum. His mum came to my quiz nights and she said, you must meet my son. He's the biggest Doctor Who fan in the world. I thought, we'll see about that. And the guy rocked up to the pub one night. He opened this hold all and in it were VHSs with Power of the Daleks, Evil of the Daleks, Web of Fear. And I thought, this guy's got something here. And he pulled out The Reign of Terror, which is just a bit... It wasn't... The official BBC hadn't come out, but he had this Reign of Terror with the recon. And so we went to his house and watched it, and I was appalled at the violence in it. That William Hartnell smacked somebody over the head with a spade, and uh, Robespierre gets his jaw blown off at the end of episode six. 
and as with all of the Doctor Who historicals of that time I just think they're better made than the science fiction ones but that one really stuck out as a, a cracking piece of television so I would like to see the whole thing yeah so would I They'd, um, have you seen the animation of 4 and 5? not yet no I've not it, it's not one of the better animations the um, the backgrounds are a little two dimensional um, I mean they're apparently part of the argument against animating the, um, the historicals is that the backgrounds would need to be so complex mm. that they they would be very expensive to do and it doesn't really look like many of the TARDIS crew Susan in particular right. uh, looks really quite unlike her and the, the dentition is just weird all of them look as though they've got way too many teeth in there <laughs> and it, it's really distracting but the four surviving episodes I agree they look beautiful it's a compelling story it's quite a grim story it is yeah um, Susan is there at her wimpiest because mm. it's the oh I need to be rescued oh I'm ill oh, and first location filming in Doctor Who yes that? it is is that also the first story where we see the TARDIS in flight the very end of episode 6 oh no isn't the very end of episode 6 the whole our destiny is in the stars so we must search for it I don't think I didn't think you saw the TARDIS in flight oh maybe I've, there's certainly a star field with yeah other I th- faces I think, of it. yeah I think you see a star field I think you see the, the faces of the TARDIS crew I don't think you see the TARDIS in flight I think the first TARDIS in flight shot happens quite a long way into the series Mm. and I know that the spinning flight shots came a while after that there's certainly a spinning TARDIS in the Pertwee era yeah and it it was pretty much the standard by the time Mm. it got to the Tom Baker era yeah right in kids do you see the TARDIS in flight in the web planet I have erased it from my memory I haven't actually seen the web planet all the way through I haven't managed it you heathen. I know, it bored the shit out of me. I love the web planet. And they all monstrously hot. They were all wearing sort of Parker anorak things at Lime Grove. They must have been dead when they finished those. There were certainly several stone lighter. Anyway, we're not on the web planet. We're on the god complex. Right, so shall we leave the Black Archive behind us yes. and crack on with the god complex? And we're going to do a full commentary for this. We are. Have we done it? We've not done a full commentary. Yeah, we have. We, we did Rose. But I think this is the... It's a long time since we've done a full commentary on New Who. Oh, well. Right. Ron VT. It's a dreadful music. Oh, that's a nice shot. Panning down the stairwell. Reminiscence of awful hotels I've stayed mm. in. Policewoman and a clown. We have said it before, but these pre-title sequences... They work very nicely. They do work nicely. And really interesting filming work on this. Mm. Do you like this title sequence? the The first Matt Smith title sequence. I've got a problem with the whole Matt Smith era because they couldn't stop fiddling about with it. The format changed, the series length changed. It changed from series to series, whether there were two parties, one parties, a mix. The title sequence itself changed. 
The tide has changed. How can you be excited about a rubbish hotel on a rubbish bit of earth? Because this is not earth. This has just been made to look like earth. The craftsmanship involved. So, is Rory Rory, or is Rory uh, an auton at this point? Rory got rebooted to a human. This is my viewing of it, because it did all get terribly complex during the Matt Smith era. When the TARDIS rebooted the universe, Rory was brought back as a human. That's how I'm reading it. The auton Rory was then overwritten. But he still remembered waiting 2,000 years as an auton, because it's referenced. Why doesn't he have eyebrows? Oh, yes. I'd never really noticed that before, but he has almost no eyebrows. He doesn't, actually. See, there's an awful lot of Davison and Troughton in his performance. Yes. This, this whole rambly type thing that he, he often does, I could live without, frankly. Oh, I quite like that. Now you see that kind of enthusiasm mm. stuff. I I like that. That that's a very Troutony touch. Mm. Without the leaping thyroid of uh, Tennant. <laughs> uh, when he was first announced, my heart sank. I thought twenty six. Really? You're going for young pretty boy, and then by the oh, ten minutes into the first episode, I was convinced completely. Yeah, yes. excellent bit of casting. Beams are evil. Bad, bad beams. Beams. <laughs> of the... Oh, I don't know. Of the New Who Doctors, Capaldi is currently my favourite. Um, but he's second. I think he's wonderful. Yes, I really like Capaldi. It's just a pity he had so few good stories. The Matt Smith era just got horrifically complicated. It did. And this is why... You see, I view Matt Smith as the Colin Baker of the new era. Because... Yeah. Brilliant in the role, just not a very good run of stories. I'd rather watch any of Capaldi's than try and unpick. But it's certainly the middle bit of Matt Smith. It's bookended by seasons you can actually watch. But... That's wonderfully yeah. creepy. I'd forgotten this whole bit with all the ventriloquist dummies, but. A restaurant full of ventriloquist dummies that follow you around the room. I've got those cufflinks. Dice cufflinks. We've got dice as well. We do have dice. Random dice. You said you'd seen them right now. Nothing else matters anymore. I can't look beyond those eyebrows now that I've noticed. You're a bugger for pointing like stuff out tonight in plain sight. I used to hate them. They're, they're a little bit jigsaw, aren't they? Yeah, they are. You see much other stuff that he's in? Matt Smith? No, I know he did something about Alan Turing. No, he did a really good uh, biopic of Christopher Isherwood. And it, uh, he was in the Ruby and the Smoke, the Sally Lockhart mysteries with uh, Billy Piper, which was very good. He was in Terminator 5 as well. He played quite a part in that, which I can't ever see him being asked to do again because it's been rebooted yet again. Ah, conspiracy theorists, God bless them. Amazing. It's all there on the internet. No, it's amazing you've come up with a theory even more insane than what's actually happening. 
That's there to appeal to all the geeks. Mm. This is just some messed up CIA stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you're right. Keep telling yourself that. It's a CIA thing. Nothing more. How are they getting that bloke in the, um, on the sack trolley? That's a very good question. Because there's no lift and they're going up the stairs. That's incredibly horrible wallpaper and carpet. They went up about four flights of stairs and have still got blokey in the... It's not even a sack truck, it's on four wheels, which makes it even harder. Oh, nice, weeping angels. Now, was this before they got matrixed? Yes. So it would have been very effective. It's one of those victims of its own success. It, had they just left it at blink, they would be one of the the very best monsters that were ever in the show. Mm. But they had to bugger about with the um, the sequels and ultimately Statue of Liberty. I oh, there's some really nice camera work on there this. Is isn't there is actually, yeah, it's directed um, very well. And okay, we keep seeing that down, shot the, down the spiral staircase right through but, the middle. But it works really mm. nicely. <laughs> a little tribute to Scooby-Doo there. Which isn't the first time we've seen that. No, it's in Love and Monsters. It is in Love well. and Monsters, yeah. yes. Yeah. At least there's somewhat there's another one as well. Yeah. Do you know, I, this is an episode I would never have thought of watching again, and I'm really mm. enjoying it. I hadn't twigged that was David Williams first yeah. time around. It's always a measure of how much we enjoy something by the Pauses and silences. Yes. Yeah. Did like Amy. I thought she was she was excellent. She um, and actually I quite like Rory as a character. Adding Rory in, I think, diminishes Amy's role. It does. Yes. You are a medical doctor, aren't you? You haven't just got a degree in cheese making. No. Well, yes, both actually. I mean, you see, this is what's missing from the new new episodes. Dialogue like that, yeah, delivered like that. Look, it's no more ridiculous than Howie's CIA theory or mine. Which is? This is Jahanam. You're a Muslim. Do you think this is hell? See, look at how that was just dropped in. Yeah, as an example of her personal beliefs, and it's not integral. And this is a really nice variation on the base under siege, isn't it? Yes, because it's not under siege. It's the whole horror of Fang Rock. I've made the terrible mistake by locking it in. There's a touch of the sort of Minotaur in the labyrinth as well, isn't there? (laughs) (laughs) 
Your first time around, I remember being su- supremely irritated by that character. That's a quite well written. Your civilization is one of the oldest in the galaxy. Now I see why. No one else dies today. He does a really good intensity, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. My mum's alright. She's. She's got that gin is superb. Mm, it's improving with every mouthful. Yeah. Shame we haven't got any more. It's as I thought it feeds on fear. The camera work is fantastic, it is. isn't it? Um, Whoever's directed this has done a really good job. I, I don't remember. I don't remember being that being that noticeable when I first watched it. But watching it again, all those close-ups and then the long shots, the corridor and aerial shots. It, it, There's low shots there and high shots. In fact, basically everything apart from uh, looking. It is very minatorial. Um, there is a reason for this, which I think you've forgotten. It's not a relation of the Nymon, is it? Spoiler coming up. Yes, it is. I'd, for, I'd forgotten that about it. But... What's going on? Oh, now that's a nice shot with all those mirrors. Now that was a lovely shot with the, the reflection yeah. and the water. And you know, the costume design is really nice. They're not doing all these directorial tricks to distract from the fact mm. it's a fairly crap costume. It's to enhance the story, and it's doing a really good job of it. <laughs> the one thing I'll say for yeah, all these... A little domestic violence yeah. joke there. So that... Are we allowed that one to slip that one through? The dialogue, particularly during the Moffat era, is superb. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very good in the ITD era. It's just a pity it's not been carried through. But we're not talking about Series 11 at the moment, are we? No, we're not. No. I've always liked Matt Smith's costume. I think it's very... It's not too costumey. No. Um, but they did um, uh, some costume test with Matt Smith, and he got to choose, go to the wardrobe department and choose. And there was one. It was extremely striking. It was... Um, Sort of white shirt, black waistcoat, black pants number. But unfortunately, it was just clearly to Matt Smith rather than the Doctor. Yeah. So much as I think he would have looked good in it, it would have detracted. It was a good costume. Why? Why what? Why is it up to you to save us? That's quite a good complex you have there. <laughs> uh, nicely done. Yes. I'd like to see them drop four to Doomsday into the uh, dialogue. Oh, that's just signed her death warrant, hasn't it? Yeah. I think I need to watch some more from this, rewatch some more from this era. I'm really enjoying this. The Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi stuff, I could just watch at random and enjoy. Largely for the dialogue, it's brilliant. I'm really glad we decided to do this this randomizer thing because otherwise I'd never have thought of watching this mm. and what a feeling we might dig up some real forgotten gems by doing this uh, I think we already have mm. what's going on Rhea's disappeared what is she doing there signed her death warrant by saying come along on the TARDIS in New Who that is basically yeah. 
a loaded gun to the head. No, 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 Rita! Rita, please, please! And there we have another excellent guest artist disappearing. I know David Williams is the the big name in this, but she's the standout in terms of acting, isn't she? She's she's fantastic. That's all a bit, and then there were none, wasn't it? Mm. Some versions of which are set in a hotel. It's still my favourite Christie. Did you see the uh, the recent BBC? No, I haven't. It's fantastic. It's the closest adaptation to the original book. It's gone. The title's gone through uh, three iterations, though, which is excessive, even for one of Agatha Christie's books. I can't think of any of her, her other books that have changed their title. No, there was a very good reason for it. Oh yes, absolutely. It was a bit near the knuckle, even for 1939. With that in mind, it's often made me wonder if Celestial Toymaker ever turns up. Mm. Will they excise that line? Oh, I hope so. Do you? Yes. It's an example of TV at the time. Uh, it, it, it really makes me uncomfortable. I would overdub it with something else. I don't think there's anything else that I would, I would answer that question in that way. But yeah, it, that word just... I can't. All right, Dan Busters then. Why not that? Um... I mean, Dan Busters isn't a, isn't a film I particularly want to watch again because I, I don't I don't I don't really like war films. But um, yeah, I would change that as well. The, the word just makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> there are no words that make me uncomfortable. Although I, I was watching, uh, oh, is it Jimmy Carr? Eight out of ten cats just yeah. count down the other night. And Susie Dent, the brilliant Susie Dent, said that the words moist and gusset. Just make a skin crawl. And that is this week's standout television clip for me. I've learned two things about Susie Dent. They're just words. Connotations, yes, but... Yeah, I can see that intellectual argument, but it's a sort of visceral uncomfortableness that I can't get beyond. See, I adore collecting terms for us from around the world. Um, The German slang for Brits is island monkeys. (laughs) <laughs> which I think is hilarious. I asked an Italian not long back. They don't have one. They don't have a slang term. But one of my favourites for <laughs> for whites is honky. I think it's just such a hilarious word. But but now even that is being. I know in certain parts of America that's really sort of you don't you don't use that word. That's. But I think I don't know. Maybe my tolerance threshold is just uh, a lot higher for people calling us names. <laughs> Oh, we just had a little shot of uh, young Amy Pond. And that's actually Karen Gillan's niece. Oh, right. I, I knew they were related. Mm. Um, I'd remembered it as cousin rather than niece. But... Oh, it might, no, it might be cousin. It's just a shame that by the time they got to Time of the Doctor, she'd grown up just a little bit too far to come back. See, it's a bit of a deus ex machina ending, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now that's a nice effect. It's a lovely effect. The whole tail fades away in a very Tron-like way. Oh, that swoosh of leaves, isn't it? It was mm. a nice touch. Don't tell me. This isn't right. That isn't a real house inside. That's a goblin who feeds on indecision. No. Real. Real house. Real dog. 
You're not serious. The car too. But that's my favourite car. How did you know that was my favourite car? Show me a picture of one so this one's favourite car. She'll say that we can't accept it because it's too extravagant and we'll always feel a crippling sense of obligation. It's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> The, the two short trousers always irritated me a bit because that is, it looks designed. You know, it looks like you can do some some really good chapstick and some eyebrows. Now, a little girl's just been expelled from school this week for tinting her eyebrows. Be careful what you wish for. See, I don't remember this bit at all. Because I've never seen this since it was first on, I'd forgotten how they'd got this house. What's the alternative? Me standing over your grave, over your broken body, over Rory's body. He really does do the the pathos bit extremely mm, well. He does. Didn't she have green fingernails earlier? <laughs> and she's a big star in the States now. Oh, that is just fantastic. Mm. My mum was asking me the other day about how uh, the character of the Doctor's matured over the years and now he's, he actually understands feelings. And said, well, yeah, but it's started out with no, no interest in all that. It was all adventure. It's been done in such a gentle, evolutionary way that now he's, there's a, a good reason for him to understand emotions and feelings. And it's, But I think he always has. The Doctor and Zoe. Doctor and Victoria, yeah. that scene in... Um, Fear from the Deep. No, two with the Cybermen, I was thinking oh, of. Oh, yes, that's a nice With the, 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 the family yeah. and those horrible creatures came to the house and you probably can't remember your family. That whole scene. And actually, even before that, Dalek Invasion of Earth, you must go forward oh, with all your beliefs. Oh, yes. One day I shall come back. Oh, what a lovely end shot. A long fade of the Doctor on his own. Looking around the tide, it's lonely. Oh. I remember that being quite a fun episode. I really enjoyed that. That was lovely, actually, yes. And I would never have thought of of watching it as an episode. Um, I'm not sure what I would have picked from this season to watch. From this season? Oh, that's a bloody tough one, actually. I mean, there's some nice ones. Um... I think the Doctor's wife is part of this season. Oh, is it? In that case, that would be absolutely yeah. top of the list. That's the Neil Gaiman. It is, yeah. It's one of the best episodes we've had. Yeah. But no, uh, on the back of that alone, this randomizer thing that we've got going, that was a lovely slice of Matt Smith Doctor Who, that. And uh, one that I've completely overlooked for the best part of 10 years. Like 2011, I think. God Complex. Yes, I I really, really enjoyed that. Fantastic performances. The uh, the actress who played Rita was absolutely superb. The camera work was inspired. It was. I forgot to look who the director was, but whoever that uh, whoever did that, yeah, top marks. It was just very interestingly. It wasn't because that could have been a very very plain looking episode. Yes, and it could have plot wise been just a bad version of the Matrix. Yeah, and as it was, it really stands on its own. But as I've said previously, it's a mark of how much we enjoy something by the number of silent gaps. And there's been one or two, I would say, while we've been sat here recording. Yes. There have been times where I've been thinking, 
really should be saying something about this, but mm. I was just enjoying what was going on the, on the screen so much. And not the first time that we've had the somebody try and do something to <laughs> uh, untarnish the reputation of the Nymon. Big Finish have certainly done it the, with um, Seasons of Fear, the second Paul McGann season they did. They beefed up the Nymon, for want of a better expression, and they did it very well. I have to be honest... I don't really see why the Nymon need beefing up. Okay, they're they're a bit campy and, and villainy in Horns of Nymon, but I thoroughly enjoy Horns of Nymon. Uh, people make a thing about the mandrels in Nightmare of Eden. Mm. Nightmare of Eden is a really enjoyable story. If you actually watch Nightmare of Eden for what it is and listen to the dialogue, if you take away some of Tom Baker's excesses, my arms, my legs, my everything, and strip it back down... One of the best lines is actually from Tom Baker, and it's right at the very end, in almost a whisper, just go away. Hmm. But no, I think there's been a push over the years to take monsters that have been generally seen as a bit crap and do something interesting with them, because they're interesting monsters that have just been done a bit crap first time around, I think. Yeah, so they... The Vord, for example, they've been revisited. And... A really good job. Yeah, they, they've done a uh, the, the big finish Vord. Yeah, um, they've done a few with the Vord. Yeah, there's Domain of the Vord, and there was a Paul McGann episode. No, there was one of the Companion Chronicles that uh, with Ian. Is it Revenge of the Vord or something like that? It, it was. It was very good. Anyway. Yeah. But yes, all things considered, God Complex much better than I remember, and I'm glad that we uh, got a chance to revisit that one. Do we need a Drag Queen Index for this one? Um, we do need a Drag Queen Index for this one. I am Persian. Name your price. On an index of one to five... That I was, think it's pretty low. It is pretty low. In fact, uh, I'd give that a one. To be honest. I can't think of any, but there's not really... In it. The wallpaper might count. <laughs> but that is intentional, so we can't really... Yeah. Yeah, I don't really think think there's anything there. Costume-wise, uh, Karen Gillan's scratched little mini skirt and a set of scrubs. Yeah, um, it's, it's very low. It's it's barely registering a one. Yeah, and no real resting bitch face. No. So, in terms of Olvias, that's a disappointing drag queen index. Anyway, shall we... Uh, so, the next thing to do... Set the controls for the next episode. <laughs> Episode 93 of New Who. Oh, I'm very sorry. No! It, I don't even know. It can't be. It's... Really sorry. It's Mummy on the Orient Express. Oh! Oh! <laughs> what a terrible drag that will be. I adore that one. Yeah, so did I. Wonderful. So that's our next New Who episode. So with that, we will sign off. Thank you very much for listening to our... Slightly more muted ramblings than usual, but uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Because it was a great episode. It was great. Um, I'd encourage anybody to dig that one out and give it a, a revisit. It was better than I remembered. The final segment is an interview from my own personal archive. Over the years, I've recorded things at conventions, and this is an interview with Deborah Watling, conducted at the Cavern Club in Liverpool on the 30th of April 2006. It was an event organised by fans like us, who are the World Doctor Who group, and the interviewer is Karen Davis of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. Thank you. 
I did indeed, yes. I made a part of it. And? I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And tenants, I think, brilliant. Really cool. Would you like to be his companion? Now there's a question. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. I would play his mother. I thought Lizzie was doing that last night. <laughs> <laughs> what, have you noticed, you know, since Dr. came back, have you noticed there's been a big upsurge for yourself personally as being part of the programme? Well, I must admit I get a lot more fan mail. I did. I mean, it's always extraordinary to me because I was in the programme, what, <clears throat> 38 years ago? <laughs> which is it? Oh dear, I can't believe it. I don't know what time's gone, but there you go. Um, so it's lots more fan mail, and I get invited to, to quite a lot of things, actually. It, it's, it's difficult. People, because it's now back on the box, I'm more upfront than I have been for years, let's face it. And people stop me and always say, did you see Dr. Lynn last night? What do you think of it? You know, and what's your opinion, etc., etc. Like I've never, ever done any other program in my life. <laughs> but um, I understand it. It's... Uh, I'm very proud to be involved with it because, as I said, it's a long time ago yeah. and it's a large part of my life. Do you think you're on obligation now that you've got to watch every episode now? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone, no. We feel it, we've got to watch it. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so please don't tell me. You haven't uh, seen it? No, not, not, yet, not last night. So. I said, ruin your day. <laughs> Victoria, you know, and all that. And there's a shot of me going down the corridor with a Dalek on either side of me. And, as I said, I had the long frock. And so you couldn't see my feet. And I looked like a Dalek as well. <laughs> 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 Were empty then, weren't they? Because the guys had lunch. 
because you're the only one of my children who ever got me a job. <laughs> that was nice. That was still up in Wales, wasn't it? On the mountain? Snowdonia. That was a bit. It, yeah, Pat was alright because he had yeah. big hairy coat on. I mean, he looked like a yeti himself. <laughs> and um, there was Dad, of course, his, and Phrase. One day I lost them. It was so cold. And we were waiting to set up a shot, and oh, I thought, well, where are they? It was about 10 in the morning. And I asked everybody, I said, have you seen Dad? Have you seen Pat? Have you seen Fraser? Have you? No, no, they said, no, 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 I haven't seen him, no. Do you know what I found? At the back of the catering van, sipping whiskey. <laughs> I said, I want some. They said, no, you're too young. I said, oh, I can, I'm 19, nearly 20. Give me some, they wouldn't give it to me. They said, go, little girl, go away. I made up for it Does anybody have any questions? Oh, yes. I bet you can't remember that far back. Can you? I've got any questions at all. Gorgeous. Now, look. So, do you know, I'm not terrifying. I really am not. So, is there anything you'd like to ask whatsoever? What were the jokes like that were played on set? What were the jokes like? The clean ones. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you knew about the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then, Pat and Fraser, especially Fraser, they were very naughty to me. Well, I think to all the companions, quite honestly. And, uh, they sent me up there. I remember, oh dear, one day we were filming, oh gosh, what was my last storyline? Fury. Fury from the Deep on Margate Beach in January. It was absolutely freezing. And throughout the year that I appeared in the show, my skirts got shorter and shorter. And so I ended up in a pelvic. <laughs> dress, etc. <coughs> mini skirt. Anyway, the shot was coming in from the sea in a dinghy, three of us get out, we rush along the beach, and all of a sudden, voila, there's this big pile of foam. And I thought, oh, I don't like the sound of this. So I said to Fraser, I said to Pat, do you mind if I just stand on the, outside, the periphery of the foam? Because yeah. the candles there, you couldn't move, and you go in and you play what you want and do what you want with all this stuff. And I'll just say, oh, doctor, doctor, what is it now? Oh, dear, let's go, or whatever. So the directors are like, action. So we get another day, you know, we're quite wet. We go along, and we see this big pile of foam, and I go, I'm staying here, doctor. You, Jamie, you, you find out what it is. So I'm standing at the edge, and they go in, and they're having a wonderful time, chucking the foam up and down, and doing this and that and the other, and handstands or whatever. And all of a sudden, they stop and they look very slowly at each other and they look very slowly back at me. <coughs> now, as I say, I couldn't move because of the cameras in those days and behind the cameras there were some of the public who had heard that we were filming who then. Anyway, very slowly Pat and Fraser walk towards me and I'm thinking, swine, don't you do anything to beast, don't, and they grab me, they pull me into the middle of the phone and give me the birthday bumps. <laughs> Whereupon I thought I'm going to kill them when the camps are, I'm going to kill them. The director says, cut. He said, what a brilliant idea, says the director. Terrific, we only have one problem. 
And I said, well, what, what's that? He went, somebody behind the camera on the public laughed. So, um, <clears throat> wardrobe, dryer off, towel down, we're going to do it all over again. <laughs> and that was one of the jokes. Bless their hearts. Um, did you do a segment? Which is probably one of the big, probably the big ten stories of Doctor Who. Well, that's my um, only remaining story, I think, isn't it? It's full story, I think. Has anyone seen Tomb? Yes. yes. Oh, you do remember Oh, that's nice, thank you. Yes. We like Tomb. Um, there was a big hoo-ha when they kind of when it all brought out to remember most of the thing on the on the video and that's what's happening to me here again. What have you got any memories of actually filming with the cast or pastel? Oh, you are rotten to me. Right. Now, I remember actually one thing. Uh, there was the, the honeycomb effect when they all started yes, to come yes. alive. Yes, yeah. And I thought that was really scary when all of a sudden, they, they were still, weren't they, frozen in time. And all of a sudden, one hand went from the head. And because it was like a human form, had two legs, two arms, sort of head, I thought that was terrifying. And it actually, at the time, it got complaints from the public saying children should not be really children seen it. And I remember Morris Barrett. Morris Barrett, our director, was very strict. One of the old school. And you stand at the desk and other directors that had their had their, their script and they say, right, we'll go to this scene, that scene, that, yeah, great, fine, you know, whatever. Morris, he had a music stand in the middle of the rehearsal room with a script on it. Now, Morris, as I say, of the old school, uh, disciplinarian, that's it, disciplinarian, oh, strict as hell, and with Pat as well, and Fraser didn't like it at all. Right, come on, you there, you there, you there. Do you know what he did? We got to the, we got to actually shoot in the studio, and he had his camera angles. He didn't want to move the camera. He said, "This is not quite right. No, we'll move the set instead of the cameras." <laughs> they had to move the whole set. Just didn't just move the cameras too far. Whole set took hours. Cost a bit of fortune. I don't think he ever worked again there actually. <laughs> But that lovely scene with Pat, where Victoria's missing her father and missing her friends, and she asks the doctor whether or not he misses her with his family. He says yes, he does. I mean, it's a lovely scene to play. I'm told it's now regarded as a classic, and it does survive, doesn't it? Yes, yes I remember that day very well. That day, actually, I was living in Essex and used to drive to the beauty centre. That day, I woke up with appalling flu. I couldn't even stand. Send a send car for me, and I got to the studio and we filmed that scene. I thought, I'm never going to get through this. I am never, ever going to do it. And then we started, and old Fraser was under the table asleep or something. And we started, and it went really well. Because I did. Pat and I, we had a, a remarkable friendship. We adored each other, and we could just act together. You forget the cameras, you just talk to Pat when I was on the screen with him. Anyway, we started the scene, and I got right to the last line and fluffed it. And in those days, you couldn't just retake the line. You had to go right the way back to the beginning. And I thought, oh, I know, Pat said, come a little 
and Fraser, as the beast on the table, laughed. Anybody else getting any questions? Come on, I'm giving you a kind of a... What are you currently doing now? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. I have my own gardening services. I adore gardening. I create gardens. Um, and still, you know, I still work, yes. But I feel... I've been in the business a very long time. And I mean, it's a wonderful part. Of course. Well, we'll do it. But I am slightly now disenchanted. Because tennis changed. If you look today on the TV, the reality programs, gardening, makeovers, auctions, anything you like to name, in my day, it was all, all the actors were employed. You know, they got this, serious, this, that and the other. There isn't that anymore, at all. So, there's not enough parts to go around, that's what I'm really trying to say. And all, you know, stuff from Australia, America, they really hit the British actors badly. Um, and all my friends are suffering from it. I could name names, which you'd know immediately and think she can't be out of one. My God, four years, you know, all this goes on. As I say, I'm a bit disenchanted. It's like about, something else. What about autobiography? Anything? Do you know, I've been asked to do this. And I always thought I was too young. <laughs> but Tim, I think you might be quite right there. But I couldn't do it on my own. Something has to do with me. Crazy. Get off that and get done. Anybody else? What do you think to the current companions, their portrayal of uh, in modern times, playing uh, a character 30, uh, 38 years ago? What do you think to the modern take on? I think they're brilliant. You do? Yeah, I really do. Gutsy. Get in there with the action. And all that. My God, if I could have done that. I did actually hold a gun at one point, didn't I? Did you? Oh, I did. You see, you said you saw the side of the gun. I was watching it. <laughs> Get out! You know, I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have done it. I'd love to do it now. Oh, it's very strange. My agent always sends me uh, a letter of what he's put me up for every week. It could be this, that, and the other, the TVs, whatever. And this one came through and said, I can't remember the character, one that's coming up. And it said, so and so, so and so, love letters, something there. Doctor Who. I went, what? So I've been put up for it. A new character. So you never know. Watch his face. Watch his face. Because you came back and did downtime, didn't you? I did, yes. With Jennifer and Nick as well. With Nick Courtney. Yes. Yeah. And Liz. Yes. 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 That was quite exciting. You'll be Yeti again. Yes. Very kindly Yeti. Is that one? You know, I went out with one once. <laughs> and I went out with a sudden. Salamander in the rehearsal room. 
face, and I looked at each other and we went, Oh, Patrick, you're not going to do it like that, sir. And he went, Thank you for the support. <laughs> Whoever I speak to, Doctor Who, they always seem to have so much love and so much, I don't know, they must have had so much fun on the programme. Is it the same for you? It was. Yes, because we became family. It seems a very unique programme. I don't think there's very many other programmes you can actually say that that was the atmosphere and nobody says a family. Yeah, we did. Do you know the extraordinary thing is, all the girls, we do these conventions, and the girls adore each other, all the companions. And it's just, we all get on. Right. Wendy Padre, she'll come up to me and say, hello, little Debs, how are you? And all that, you know, and Annika, and Liz, and I mean, it's amazing. And it's wonderful. And we all stand up for each other. If anything is wrong, or if anyone does something wrong to one of our girls, they're in for it. <laughs> we gang up together. Um, we're through from the deep. Victoria left, it was quite sudden at the end, when she decided on what's not going to stay with this family and look after it, but whatever. Why did you leave in the end? Because I had a year's contract, and I felt I couldn't go any further with Victoria. And there's nothing more I could do. I tried to play a bit like a tomboy and get some guts into her. And I thought, a year's enough. That's it. I think I'm going to go. Yeah. And I said to Innes Roy, the producer, I said, well, this is my last storyline. He said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, my contract's up. He said, well, you're written in for more shows. Don't leave. And I said, it's an awful thing to say, but I feel I've got to. I'm going to miss everybody so much. And it was my decision. Never looked back. Yeah. So they actually didn't want you to go. They were quite happy no. to keep the tour on for another. Oh yeah, months of, yeah. So did, did you have any input into how Victoria left, or was that up to the writers? It was the writers, really. Yeah. I actually did say I'd like to be left on Earth, and I was adopted. Yeah. It wasn't that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember the last scene of that. My very last scene in Who. And you had the cameraman there, the cameramen and the props men and the you know, tough guys, etc. And there was this scene, and I had to say goodbye to Doctor, to the Doctor and Jamie. And we started it. I know it's destroyed now, but if you saw it, you'd be amazed. Because I got right to the end of it and started to go, like tears in the eyes. It wasn't like we were being filmed. Extraordinary. And then Pat started. And even Fraser had watery eyes and all this. And when you got over the scene, and I just froze. And I looked round the studio. The cameramen were in tears, the boxmen were in tears, everyone was in tears. And I just said, thank you very much for a wonderful year, and walked off. And then looked back. Anybody else must have lots of different If you could reach back in time and save one of the stories that was lost, which one would you go for and why? I think it's going to be rather obvious answer. But anything to do with my father being in it. And I'm very lucky actually in that respect because I can see Dad when I want to, I've got the video. Or a DVD. I love doing the Yeti stories. 
I really did. Yeah. Oh, there's one story. Can I tell one story? Yeah. What is that noise? The underground. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know about that, the underground. Yeah, the yetis, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell one story. Maybe you know it, but it's one of my favourite ones. When I was filming down the underground, what was it? Weather Fair. Weather Fair. And of course, once again, Victoria is dragged off by the monster, the yeti. Uh, but she drops a hanky on her way. She's down the tunnel, they drive her off down the tunnel, underground tunnel. Whereupon Pat Fraser and Dad start looking for her. Fine. So the Rex says, right, action, and I'm behind camera looking at the scene. And Pat says, oh, oh, Victoria, what are we going to do? She, she must have come this way. And Fraser says, well, we'll find her, Doctor, don't you worry. And, Professor Travis says, now, now, now we will panic about this, we will panic, you know, and they carry on, and they carry on. And all of a sudden, Pat stops and looks down. Aha, he says, and picks up, very delicately, a pair of knickers. Whereupon <laughs> Pat says, ah, yes, look, she must have come this way, these Victorians. <laughs> Jimmy takes them and says, oh yes, they are. <laughs> oh, father takes them and says, how do you know? Anybody else? Do you have any stories from conventions or...? Well, there was one time, uh, actually it happened here in Liverpool. It was one of my first conventions I ever did. And it was at the old Holiday Inn. Or is it now? I don't know. Anyway, one of those, oh, pardon. <laughs> and uh, I said to my husband, Steve, I said, come on, come with me. It's a long drive, please. He said, oh, right, okay, I'll come with you, it's fine. So we arrive, and we walk into the hotel, and, and he walks around the corner like this. I said, what's the matter? Are you all right? He said, we have a visitor. I said, what? This time of the morning? He said, there's a Dalek outside. <laughs> you go and sort him out. <laughs> I refuse to move. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it before. I've done it. There's a Dalek outside. Anyway, anybody else? Gentlemen in the second row. Do you consider Doctor Who the best thing done, or, or if, if, if you don't, what's the best thing you have done? That's a very unfair question. <laughs> <laughs> what rotten that is. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I will put it this way. Doctor Who was a great part of my life. I learned a lot about television technique, cameras, etc., lighting, sound, whatever. I will always be grateful to Victoria because she's always there with me in some extraordinary way. I don't know. When I did downtime, thought, I don't know if I can get this woman back, I mean, this girl back, Victoria. I got on set and she was there, albeit older, but she was there, she came straight back to me. People said, it's uncanny. And I said, it's weird, isn't it? You know. Maybe you're right, actually. Maybe this is one of the most important things I've done. I've done a lot of theatre, I did films, all that, but I'll always be remembered for Victoria. Oh, and the other one, who was a total contrast, 
Naughty Norma, Danger UXB. Which was great fun. Ah, but complete contrast, though. Complete contrast. I loved her. Yeah. She was a cross between Diana Dawes and Marilyn Monroe with a cockney accent. Great. <laughs> 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 so, being part of Doctor Who, I mean, it's a cockney. That's why I was warm here today and saying, was it 7.8 million watched last night? How many? 7.8 million people watched Doctor Who last night. Mad. Probably more would have recorded it. Wow, it's a, that's a huge figure. I mean, it's not the biggest you can get, or one that you can get. You must be at it. But for you, sitting there, I mean, <coughs> it's because of you and what you did 38 years ago that we are sitting here today and say, all those people are watching it. I mean, is that a little bit daunting? Oh. No, it's not because of me. Well, it's because of all of us. You're, you're a very significant party. Look, I only did a year. <laughs> And others, I mean, they went on for, I don't know how long, how long did Wendy do it for? Two years? Mm -hmm. Fraser? Three years? I mean, I was in here. I was a tiny part of it, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think anybody would agree with that, would they? No. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's news to me. I mean, I'm, I'm rather pleased. <laughs> that's lovely. We wouldn't be here otherwise. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Who remembers me in it? Did they actually see it when I was 19 years old? Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> no. No. Do you remember the first Evil Daleks that I did? Yes. Yes, yes with a flock. Yes. <laughs> you can tell them they're ugly. <laughs>
as I say, it's right for the time. Um, anybody got any other questions? How does it make you feel that uh, the majority of your stories are lost now? How do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as us. Yeah, it's rotten actually because it seemed to have hit my era. Well, I honestly didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> it was, but I mean, there were rumours going around that Pat wanted them to strike absolute rubbish. They wanted to, I don't know, they wanted to re record over them, didn't they? They did it, not with just who, they did it with Hancock's Half Hour. I mean, a classic programme. So it was like got hit as well. Zed Cars got hit. I mean, how is your size? And now, of course, that we want it all back. They want to try and find everything. Gentlemen, mm. ah. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd have to say your magic publicity as Billy Piper, being in the newspaper every week, would you have enjoyed it? I'd have loved it. <laughs> yes. I don't shy away from publicity or anything because it comes with a job, doesn't it? Would and I think I'd like to have money as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Anybody else? Does it pay you in That's it for this time. Next week, we'll be back with an overview of It's a Sin. See you later. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rishton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.